Hello, everybody. I'm Tony Kalo, and there they go with the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. The Auxiliary Gate. Big problem. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 172, the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CeCe Broadus, joined by Jeff Riggs, the bearded handicapper, and fresh off of his Florida vacation, or maybe even further south than that, Mr. Alan yeah. Schneider. Alan, a bronze tan. I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you're, you're fit to do a podcast this evening. Fit, well, fit is a really a bit of a stretch of a word. I just came back from a, it was a cruise to Mexico, right? So if you've been well, on I a cruise, yeah, well, it left from Florida, right? And, uh, fit, it's hard, even though I actually did go to the gym a couple times on the boat, it's hard to stay fit if you've been on a buffet, on a cruise with all the buffets and the drink packages and stuff. But for work, no worse for the wear. I'm, uh, I'm back and we had a good time, but time to get back to the real world, correct? Where'd you go? Lake Titicaca? Or, or I may have seen a few of those, but uh no, you know, it's the same standard same standard uh cruise fare, Cozumel. I've been over a few times. I think Costa Maya. I think I got my credit card. Somebody uh charged some shit on our credit card for about five hundred bucks. The good folks at Chase Bank alerted me to it, which um uh so I didn't get charged anymore. But that's always a nice little surprise to see. That in the same day that AT and T went out, right? So I didn't have a phone, any GPS on the way home. But it was still a lot of fun anyway. It really was. Didn't cause me any problems, so Well we're glad you're home. We could finally have a podcast. Oh, I don't think you had to wait on me. I'm I'm just dead weight anyway, bros. I I couldn't get these guys to do anything. Couldn't motivate Riggs and Brandon's AWOL. <laughs> yeah, well. But we're back and we're rolling, all right? Riggs, you go anywhere on our two week hiatus? Man, I did not have nearly as as, as much excitement as Alan did, but I'm jealous because cruises are my favorite vacation in the whole world. So I hope you had a great time, brother. I think Alaska's next. Maybe we'll look for Alaska. Because I, as I said a million times, I am retiring at the end of this year. I'll, I'll continue to work, but maybe you have time to go do that Alaska thing. We'll see. Well, we've yeah, got a race. Favorite one. Mm-hmm. We've got a race we need to talk about. So. Uh, quickly before we get to our guest, uh, Rebel Stakes was on Saturday. It won by Timberlake, son of Into Mischief, trained by Brad Cox for Windstar Farm at Al. Uh, nice, impressive effort. Did it, either of you guys get to see uh, Timberlake in the Rebel? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. I mean, uh, I was more than willing to bet against him. I mean, nothing against the horse. thought he was going to win the race, but... Uh, three or four, three or five, four to five, just not my thing of the horse coming off the leg. It's been proven many times. Now he did win and he won fairly comfortably. Yeah. It was somewhere between really nice and workmanlike. I thought, um, it, he was convincing. He was a no doubt winner. It was a tad bit wide. I don't think it's any, any real issue. And, uh, the runner up was, of course, McPeak again, who got a nice run up the rail. So it probably made his effort look even, Timberlake's effort look even better because, uh, common defense saved all the ground. But, um, yeah, then again, I heard some people saying hey, it wasn't that flashy, fire didn't come back that fast. First start of the year, this isn't the end goal, right? They, so even though I was against him the other day, I wouldn't hold a less than flashy effort against him. I mean, it might be next time in the Arkansas Derby where, you know, he punches the gas and really impresses somebody. 
Jeff? Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I, I'm very interested to see what he does in his next race. I think you hit the nail on the head there because I, I was impressed. I thought he, he kicked home well and took care of business as he was supposed to, which is definitely not a given these days in these preps. Um, you know, he's still a little bit green in the stretch. As you said, he went a little wide, but I, I thought he got as good of a trip as you could ask for. I thought Christian Torres rode a fantastic race. He Agreed. put him in a perfect spot early, saved ground around the first turn, got him comfortable, you know, down the back stretch and, and then just swung out when, when he needed to swing out. So I, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a, it was a difficult trip by any means. And he also looks like a horse that you kind of have to get him going. Cause I was a little worried when they were going into the turn and Torres was just pumping away and he wasn't really making up that much ground yet. But, um, you know, he's kind of got that grinding style that, that can do well in the Derby. He's a big horse, you know, he, he doesn't mind taking a bump or two. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he does in his next race and, and then make my judgment from there. But it was promising. Yeah, no doubt about it. Obviously, I think we want to see some improvement in start number two. We want to, want to, in, in the uh, the speed figure category, we want to see this horse take a step forward so we know he can get a mile and a quarter. Because there's still a question mark with that into mischief on the top. So, but, uh, yeah, so far it's, it's been promising, to say the any, least. Any chance if he does make the derby, Justin comes? I don't know. I mean, I know he's probably pretty busy and stuff, but it Does, would, it would. do you think that's even on his radar? Do you, do you think he's heard of this horse yet? Not not yet, but I would say as we get closer, yeah, his people would probably let him know and stuff, right? Uh, I, I I could see maybe, yeah. I, I I as we get closer, if he were to win the Arkansas Derby, he goes in one of the favorites. I, I you know I would want to do it, but then he's got so much money in the world, right? I mean, this might just be one more chip on his chip on his shoulder. So yeah, I could well, I could see that happening. The the owner of Windstar Farm is it Kenny Trout? I can't. I forgot his name. I think he's a big Kentucky fan. Is there a chance this horse is named after a Minu Timberlake? I, you know what? I mentioned that the other day on Twitter and stuff. If those who don't know who a Minu Timberlake is, he's was famous was a, a backup center for Kentucky in the early nineties when Rick Pitino first got here. And he's famous because Christian Leitner stepped on him during the classic game where Kentucky lost 104 to 103 on Leitner's shot. Leitner should have been kicked out of the game. He wasn't. And that's a mean new Timberlake's claim to fame. I don't know if Jeff realized that because Jeff's a little bit younger than we are. Uh, it's a possibility. I, I know, I know, I remember the story, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to recall that just from his name. Now that said, I, it may be the, the, the owner's being clever. Maybe it is, you know, playing both, both ends of the spectrum right there. So. I can see Justin coming. All right, uh, switch gears to the Oaks preps. Uh, Lemon Muffin, a maiden, won the Honeybee Stakes. That was quite a surprise. She won resounding. She was uh, maybe 0 for 5. I know she raced a couple times at Churchill. She was on my radar. I mentioned her in Hoosier Single. Of course, I didn't use her. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, anybody catch Lemon Muffin for the coach, D. Wayne Lucas, winning the Honeybee back on the Oaks Trail? Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, she not just won, she pulled away from him, won impressively. Like, you know, she was one to five. But, um, I mean, once again, Keith Asmussen, I, I thought it was an impressive ride from him. Put her right where she needed to be, and, and she powered home. I think, as you said, you know, she was, I think she did run five times before, but had four seconds and had some trips and had some excuses. And I know, Cece, you said she was on your radar before. She was on my radar, too. But I just I didn't know that she had this kind of race in her. So I, I couldn't have been any more impressed. What would you think, Alan? 
Well, you know, you made, I'm glad you mentioned Keith Asmus. And last year, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was, and I don't, you guys know me, I don't, I'm never going to badmouth the jockey, particularly on air and social media. But I always thought Keith Asmus was a little, he, I didn't think he's a good finisher, right? And I was, I've been wrong. Either that or he's, he's learned the game. He was able to get, develop his game. He's gotten better. He's gotten stronger. Cause he, I've, he's had a tremendous Oklahoma meet, has he not? And I saw him lose some races. I thought he should have won, like at Ellis last year, where he just didn't outfinish the other guy, the other girl. And, but he, he's put that behind him. He's had a, an amazing meet, so that was a good ride. I think the horse lugged in late, didn't didn't she lug in down the down the lane? Maybe just got too far in front and didn't see anything and just went inside. But I, the other thing that struck me is watching the race live. I did watch this race live, and I did think West Omaha, like a lot of people, was, was the horse to beat, not necessarily the horse to bet. But at no point in that race did West Omaha ever look like she was going to win, did she? I, I, I thought she got bracketed a little bit, but I, I, she just never seemed comfortable. And I really think that horse really never made much of an impact. little surprised that horse ran that poorly. Um, but I guess that would be my takeaway from the race. Did you think so, CC West Omaha just never looked like a winner in that, at any stage in that race, did she? Well, I made a big mistake handicapping that race. Um West Omaha looked like a type of filly that was getting ready to move forward, but she she wasn't as fast as as many of the others in that race on thoroughgraphs. She was just equal to like Tappet Janali, and uh, there was a horse on the inside. It was uh it was a Diodoro filly. She was just on par with those. As heavy of a favorite as she was, she was absolutely a play against, and I absolutely mm-hmm. blew it. And then. The filly that had a same pattern as her was Lemon Muffin, who had increased, just barely increased her figures each and every start. That's perfect. That's a that's what you call a healthy pattern. But I I could not make myself believe that a maiden would win this race, which is you know ridiculous. I mean it's it's D Wayne Lucas, but th- this filly absolutely was was ready to make a forward move, and it's a question of whether or not she was fast enough. And obviously she's fast enough, but the, I. I'm trying to learn my lesson. You bet those types at 30 to 1. You don't bet. Always. Always. You don't bet a forward move on a 6 to 5 shot. You just cannot do that. That's 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 a bad idea. Now, I wound up eventually, I went 5 deep in that race. but I, And I had the second place finisher, Tappet Janali, at 22 to 1. But from a handicapping point of view, I really messed this up. I really messed this up. Hopefully I learned my lesson going forward. And going, going, it was a bad day for me to begin with. Uh, when Senior Buscador, I'm happy the horse won for the connections and everything. Glad, glad for the horse. He won the, uh, the Saudi Cup, picked up that $12 million prize. But he knows that Ushba Tesoro, who I had on top in the trifecta, now it would have paid probably around five, six hundred dollars. Had the trifecta in the exacta. And so I said to myself, I am not going to bleed money all day. And I wound up, uh, I had $25 in my account. Wound up, I put together a pick four that was going to cost $37.50 at Oakland. And I kicked one horse out to get it under 25. And that horse won. And I caught a 22 to one shot earlier or a 20 to one shot. And, and, and that one horse, it was a Chris Hartman who I always use at Oakland. And that cost me about fifteen hundred dollars. And then it went it 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 uh it was a downfall from there. <laughs> it was a fall from grace. It was a bad day. I learned my lesson and uh we'll try to do no- better next weekend. That's for sure. Well, at first of all, 
appreciate the honesty in there. That's, I mean, it's, you know, not easy to come on and say things like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, if, if, if you learn a lesson, right. And you learn from it going forward, it may pay off tenfold down the road. Right. So, you know, it could be, you lose in the short term, you learn something, you win in the long term. Right. That's what I'm holding to. Right. That would, that would we think this, this game is so it's 40 chess sometimes. It is so complicated to come up with, you know, like I, that, like I said, that, that honeybee was really slow on paper. It was a bunch of slow horses and it did, it would not take that much for a Philly like lemon muffin to step up and be competitive in there. And I even mentioned it on who's your single. I said, this Philly is, she's a nice Philly. She might get third or fourth. If with you know with the right trip, never dream she'd win. You gotta have you gotta be open minded. That's the key. You gotta be Amen. Open-minded. When in doubt, take the price. When in doubt, take the price. If it, if it, if it's close, take if the you price. Can, yeah, if you can if you can uh, create a good argument, mm-hmm. a really logical argument. That's the way to go. So I will always go with the take the price angle. I always will. The only the one exception being if if there's a pace compromise or a trip compromise, where I think that the price horse that I like can't overcome that, or some other uh, circumstance, whatever. But when when you see a horse that you like and it's floating up twenty eight to one, and you know it doesn't take much. I mean, it happens all the time. And Turfway is a haven for that, and it's awesome. And I've noticed, and I don't play a lot of Oakland, but Oakland is. That's all you can ask for, right? So. You can be wrong a couple times at twenty-eight to one, and still turn a nice profit. You can be uh, wrong once or twice at six to five, and it, you know you're done. So anyway, I feel like you got a big one coming in that regard. Then, right? You saw the ball well, correct? I saw. I, yeah, I did. I saw the ball. That's about all I can say. I didn't hit <laughs> the ball though. I still struck out. But uh, re- real quick, let's get to uh, before we get to our guest. Uh, you did a little deep dive. I went from Linda Ronstadt to to Tinbrook or Tinbroke or Tinbreck or whatever. This Tin, do you remember the uh, back in? I think it was in the nineties. They used to have the. I'm gonna call him Tinbrook. The uh, the Tinbrook Championship at Churchill Downs. Oh you, yeah. You remember what, what was the Tinbrook Championship? That was a uh, and again Jeff is 20 years younger than I am, so maybe he doesn't recall this. But the Tinbreck was a series they had of marathon races. Of it, I think I think Oakland does other other Finger Lakes says it other. With each couple of weeks, these horses run in starter company, and the, and the distance will get longer and longer. I think at Churchill, may start like a mile and an eighth, and these horses will go a mile and a half. And then the, the Timberlake Championship would be like the last race of the day, or maybe even the last race of the meet, CC, correct me if I'm wrong. And it would be like a two-mile race. Those were always – actually, those are kind of fun. I wish they still did it, but yes. I don't know when they discontinued it. But, yeah, that was the Timberlake. But back for all you newbies, uh, back – and like I said, I believe it was the 90s. Yeah, so – the the significance of of the horse that the, the races were named after ten I won't call him ten brook you said ten brick I think I, it's that's ten brick but I, we we're not I, sure I don't know but so ten brick ran in the eighteen seventy five Kentucky Derby he ran in Aristides' first Derby and uh, I think he ran fifth uh, he came back three years later it was a top horse in Kentucky at the time and they set up a match race with a Philly or maybe a mayor from California named Molly McCarthy, right? Molly McCarthy. Molly McCarthy was the top mayor out in California. So it was a big deal. It was uh, East versus West or Kentucky versus California. So they brought this uh, California filly to Kentucky by train, a special train to get her here. 
It's a big deal. So they set up a, it was a four mile race hmm. between the two. And, uh, it said the conditions were awful. It rained really like an unseasonably, uh, unseasonable rain. We'll put it that way. The day before, it said the track was a quagmire and uh, giggity. And, uh, the, uh, <laughs> I got that. So, so they, like they had 30,000 people at Churchill. I don't even know if it was called Churchill back then. Was it called the Kentucky Jockey Club maybe back in, back at that time? You might I don't like- know, but. I have to look that up. My, my history is not very – I'm going to have to brush up on it. But, yeah, so uh, Tim Brick won, won this match race. Uh, like, uh, I don't know. I think uh, the California mayor pulled up around the turn. They had to walk her back to the stable. Or, and, you know, she went back to California. It became a uh, big deal there. But, uh, yeah, Tim Brick won this match race. And so they retired him to stud. And I don't think he did very much at stud. But his uh, – Grandson Elwood, I believe, won the 1907 Kentucky Derby, and that was significant because it was the first woman to ever own and breed, or even start in a Kentucky Derby. So, uh, shout out to Tenbrick. That's our horse of the week, and we don't know oh. how the horse's name is pronounced, but we'll hopefully look into that. Ten, it's either Tenbrook or Tenbroke or Tenbreck. And uh, Bill Monroe wrote a wrote a bluegrass song about this horse, uh, about the match race, Ten Brooks and and Molly, I think is the name of it. Molly and Tin Brooks. So you are a, a, a font of information this evening. There, I did not know that story. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool cool things. Oh so, yeah, a lot of cool and things Elwood, around here. The only Elwood I know is a uh, Michelle Lovell stable pony. That's a kind of a legend on the Churchill backside. There you go. Maybe that's, that's the namesake. Uh, we'll have to ask her. Yeah. So all right, that's enough uh, of these blithering idiots. Let's uh, let's get to our. Guest du jour, I'll do the honors. Okay, we've got our guest here now, and uh, this gentleman has over 1,100 wins to his credit. I think 1,185 maybe is the exact number, uh, over $26 million in career earnings. And uh, probably his biggest win to date, maybe uh, a career changer, was his victory in the Pin Mile in 2022 when he rode, wow, what a summer. To a long shot uh, win, he was eighty-three to one in that four hundred thousand dollar Grade Two at Penn National. He he beat future Grade One winner Annapolis in that spot, uh, who was ridden by Rad Ortiz. So definitely a great win. Uh, this uh, this gentleman actually got into uh, riding horses because his prior career was too dangerous, if you can imagine that. <laughs> and we'll talk about that. But uh, I'm speaking of none other than Tyler Connor. Tyler, welcome to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. <clears throat> We're glad you're here, Tyler. Uh, first of all, how is Kentucky? Uh, it's been great. Um, kind of getting – I mean, I got just a pretty quick – I know a few guys here, like rider-wise. So, um, yeah, I got walking with open arms pretty much from the beginning, so that was nice. Um, the driving around too much in the morning to work horses is a little hectic, but uh, it's part of the game. Um but otherwise, it's been great. Uh, a little bored by myself out here, especially with no motorcycles to ride. But, uh, but yeah, I, I try to find things to do and keep myself busy. What uh, led you to uh, to come here this winter? Uh, honestly, like I've been a little bit struggling with um, like over the years, just like whether I want to do this job or not. To be honest, because um, I have like a I don't have like a total love for it like most riders do. Um, so honestly, I figured it was just like 
I move somewhere where I actually want to ride and where I can go to the next step in my career or uh, just kind of be average, I guess. Um, not to be, you know, to sound arrogant or anything. I don't really want to do that, but I don't really want to just be stuck somewhere um, just because I'm making a living, you know. So I, I want to just take things to the next level and, and try to find good horses. And I figure this is the best place in the country to ride right now. And I had to come now to kind of get my foot in the door a little bit and just work towards uh, building. Are you happy with your results so far? Uh, no, not even close, to be honest. Um, uh, like I the think first, you had a good meet. <laughs> it's, it's been okay. The first six weeks were pretty good. Like when I first got here, you know, I won that stake for Jonathan and won a couple good races um, for Ian and him. Um, so like the first six weeks were good, I thought. You know, I was making pretty good money and – I was like top five or four or five in earnings, which was good for the for the meet. Um, but since then, it's been really slow. I don't know why exactly. I think Jonathan, you know, he's my main guy. I'm not, he's not really running a whole lot of horses here right now. Just have a lot of horses coming up playoffs and stuff, and all the turf horses went to California. Um, so that part kind of sucks. And I don't have a lot of necessarily like local turfway business. I have more of like the a lot of the upper guys, you know. Um, that don't run quite as many and don't feel, you know, lately they've been using a lot of cheaper races, which I don't have that kind of business here right now. Um, so that part's been tough. Um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely the last two months I've not been happy with whatsoever. I'm not, I have myself to like high standards a little bit and, uh, I'm just a little bit frustrated with how things are going, but, um, that's part of the business. You know, there's ups and downs and there's a lot more downs than ups. It seems like. Is the long-term plan to stay here? 100 percent yeah um, great this is where i want to be um i was hoping i said i was hoping i could do a little bit better this meet just to kind of get my foot in the door and rolling a little bit with certain people um but you know we just kind of how things go and we'll go we'll get there but i definitely want to be here um i can't wait to ride like keenland and churchill and stuff in the spring um it's the pinnacle of the sport in my opinion outside saratoga um <laughs> Would would you so, go yes. to uh, would you go to Indiana? Like I know Indiana would race Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then uh, Churchill will will go Thursday through Sunday. Keeneland will go Wednesday through Sunday. Is that is that part of your your plan too to 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 make that journey up to uh, to uh, is it Shelbyville? I think Horseshoe, Indianapolis. Yeah, Shelbyville, Indiana. Yeah, that's right. That's- yeah, I definitely don't want to um, necessarily be like a full time Indiana rider by any means. Um, but if my guys, you know, Jonathan wants a lot of horses there and he does really well there. So I would definitely go there for him. Um, and they have some good turf stakes and things out there too. So, um, I'll absolutely go. But like I said, I don't really want to be like there, you know, riding there more than I am riding Churchill or something. Have you gotten uh, familiar with the uh, turfway surface? Uh, you know, it, it's sometimes it's quirky. I, I think it's been fair for the most part, but, uh, there'll be days when, uh, there'd be some type of a slight bias. Have you gotten familiar with it so far? Yeah, it's fairly, it's been pretty good recently, really. I feel like it's been better than in the first month or so. The meet was kind of weird. Um, I think lately it's been pretty fair, um, but it is definitely different than other synthetic surfaces I've ridden. Um, I feel like there's more inconsistency than most places. Like you got a Woodbine and, and, you know, Gulfstream and Prescott. Well, it's pretty fair most of the time. And, you can kind of in from anywhere, depending on how you know the race sets up. Um, but here, it doesn't really seem to be that way. Uh, you see a lot of horses that shouldn't win, uh, win for fun, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, there's like more long shot winners here than I've seen in most places. So, um, 
that part's a little weird. It's a little frustrating because you feel like you got a horse under you and then it's time to run and they kind of fall apart. Um, but yeah, though, I mean, just like any other kind of surface, really, it has its biases and it changes every day with the weather and everything. So, um, it's not that hard to get used to, really. Just it's a little frustrating when things don't go as, as planned, really. I know the feeling. My, uh, yeah. my wagering, my wagering reflects that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would never bet on this place. I don't know how you guys do it. Um, cause like, you can look at a race and pick horses that you want to follow or, or whatever, you know, and you kind of throw a couple out and you think have no chance. And then all of a sudden down the lane, they're running by at 35 to one, you know, like, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense most days. Um, but like, I think recently it's been better, but still those are things that kind of blow your mind a little bit with how that whole one. Let's go back to uh, June of 2022 when you won the Penn Mile, or wow, what a summer! Did do you think I put you on the map as our, or maybe uh, open a few eyes? Uh, you know, about th- your riding capabilities. Uh, I think only really, only one person really. Uh, Safi, he's the only person that really took notice and, and called me for it. But I think since then, since riding for him and going other places for him has has opened people's eyes. Yeah, um, he's. And people don't like him. They can say what they want about him, but he has helped me uh, so much um, in the last, you know, two years, 18 months um, with, you know, getting to ride new places and good horses and, um, you know, just really being fair to me and giving me a chance. Um, he's helped me with, you know, agents coming here and, and talking to people to kind of hook me up. So, um, but yeah, it definitely helped. Uh, um, it kind of sucks. It was like a, bit of a fluke event with that horse, you know, being a long shot and not winning a race since that day hasn't really helped a whole lot. Um, but I beat a really good horse. So, uh, that's always nice. That you did, that you did. Uh, Annapolis came here to Keeneland and won a, uh, won a grade one. So yeah, he said, he set a stakes record that day. So yeah, it was pretty, yeah. it was pretty cool to beat him. That's for sure. Pretty nice horse to beat. So, uh, speaking of Safi Joseph, uh, we want to talk about this weekend stakes action. Uh, you've got mounts in both of the major stakes races here. Let's talk about the John Battaglia Memorial Stakes. I believe Derby points are on the line here, and you're riding a son of Good Samaritan for Safi Joseph and uh, Ken Ramsey named Breakout. Uh, uh, it's the first time you've ridden this horse. Do you know anything about him? I do not. No, I was looking at the form a little bit earlier. Um, I know he's run against some pretty decent horses, like when he's gotten beat. Um, by some decent horses, so I think he is a talented horse, um, and I'm very glad he's run over the surface down there. At least you know he's used to it. And I'm sure he's worked him over it too, um, so that's really helpful. Um, but I don't know anything yet. Safi hasn't talked to me. He really doesn't tell me too too much. Um, lately, he's been leaving it up to me, kind of do what I want and just give me an idea, kind of where he wants the horse to be. But um, yeah, as far as the horse, I don't really know much about him at all. Uh- these guys can help me out. I think the winner of this race last year came from Florida. Is that – you remember that, guys? It was Sonny Leone, wasn't it? It was uh, – Yeah, Sonny Leone rode the winner. Start of the C. Start of the C. Maybe Caitlin knows off if she's listening off top of her head. But not condemn. That's Tom Drury, but something similar to that. Yeah, I'll I'll look that up later. But, uh, yeah, so uh, that, that's breakout in the John Battaglia. Uh, no morning line as we're recording this. But then let's talk about the night before on Friday is the Cincinnati Trophy. Which is a mile, I think. I think Kentucky Oaks points are on the line here, and you're on the morning line favorite, number four, Living Magic for Phil Schoenthal, and uh, another uh, another filly that you haven't been on yet, but she is a stakes winner, won the Chelsea Flower 
at Aqueduct back in October. That's uh, this is her first start since that race. So uh, first of all, uh, uh, Phil Schoenthal uh, makes me think of uh, Maryland racing or Mid Atlantic racing. Uh, do you have a relationship with the, with him? A little bit, yeah. I haven't ridden a ton for him, but um, you know, I've ridden my fair share for him. You know, especially when he comes to Penn or whatever, he put me on horses and um, and I was in Maryland for a little while in Delaware, so he did ride me. Um, I feel like I rode one form this meet, but I can't remember. Maybe one. Um, but I actually ride two form that day, so hopefully it goes well. I know my man Victor was supposed to come out and ride this horse, um, but I guess him his agent decided not to. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that I'm on the horse, and um, I didn't realize he was favorite. I didn't look for the odds yet, but um, it's always gives you confidence when they come in with a, a live horse who is, has run over the surface before, so uh, that always helps. Well, I, I take it back now. Impale from the Brad Cox barn is five to two, but she's on the also eligible list. And I saw that she's entered, I believe she's entered in allowance race at Oakland. So she, they may scratch here. They can't draw in, but uh, in the main body of the race, you're three to one, you're the three to one favorite. So. Yeah. That's uh, always, it's always nice. And yeah, I see the horses are working at fairgrounds for Brad. So maybe he doesn't even send her up here. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. We've got something to look forward to this weekend. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, Throw it over to, uh, to Mr. Schneider. Alan, uh, give me questions for Mr. Tyler Connor. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. Uh, the, I think the main one, just so everybody knows, we wouldn't get this out of the way. Uh, where's Lucy? Uh, she's in Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania. For those who don't know, uh, yeah, that is your girlfriend, right? Lucy, I believe you told me Hool is how you pronounce her yes. name. Yes. Okay. She was invited on, but she's in Pennsylvania taking care of the farm, correct? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know if you wanted me, her to come on today or by herself. Oh, but, no, uh, no. But, yeah, she's, uh, uh, yeah, but she's, uh, yeah, she's a little busy. She, I think she just got back home, actually, from the farm. Uh, so let me ask you this, and we'll see how you answer. Surely you're smart enough to answer this the right way. I know you've got some, some loves in your life, right? There's there's horse racing, there's Lucy, and there's motorcycles, right? You're, you're a big motocross guy. You're going to rank them in order? One, two, three. Make sure you get this right in case she's listening. <laughs> I think she would agree with this, um, uh, but motocross is, is number one probably. Oh, uh, always, always has been, um, and she knows that. Um, but she's definitely about horse racing for sure. Okay, well, cool. I'm, I'm, so she hits the play spot. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so but that actually brings me to another point. You're you're a pretty engaging fellow on social media. I think a lot of people respect that. Or I don't know. I do. I know CC does. I know Jeff does. Uh, but. You've also talked about, you know, you do the podcasting a little bit. You've talked about starting your own podcast. And I got to be honest with you. I thought like you and Lucy doing one together, or you doing one. I actually think that'd be great. And, you know, like maybe you invite on other jockeys and stuff and you start bashing on horse players the way they bash on jockeys and stuff. I, I would definitely listen to that. I'm all for that. Uh, is, are you serious about doing that perhaps? Uh, yeah, we are. We haven't really bought any like equipment yet or anything to do that. Um, it doesn't cost hey, shit. I think my, my microphone costs 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I know. We were looking a little bit like on Amazon. I said we can get some pretty cheap setups. Um, I'm going to have to figure out how to do it. Like, um, since we're not together right now, maybe try to do it, you know, uh, like that. Yeah, whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, we thought about it. But we would try to do it more or less based on horse racing, to be honest. Um, she's been in the horse business forever, but it'd be more like, you know, a little bit of everything, life, relationships, horse racing, whatever kind of comes up, you know. Um, listener questions, all that kind of stuff, you know, type of just a life podcast. But I definitely could get jockeys on and talk shit on on that's, letters and, and the harassment we get on Twitter. That's for damn sure. I am all for that. I am 
I'm on you guys' side with that stuff. I, you're never going to see me do it or whatever. So I, yeah. I would love, I would actually love to hear that. So feel free to put us out of business. We don't make any money anyway. So put us out of business with your podcast, okay? <laughs> yeah. No, I'd, uh, I'd love to get some guys on because a lot of them don't say too much, you know. Um, and if they do, it kind of goes the wrong way sometimes. Um, so yeah, I'd definitely love to, to get people on and talk about that because it needs to be talked about, I think. And, um, it'd be a great point of conversation. So let's talk about that number one love of yours, the one that hit the top spot. Uh, that's motor, it's, it's motocross. I admittedly don't know a lot about it, but when it's, you say it's a passion for you, it doesn't take long to, to talk to you to, to see your, your feed, to know that it literally is a passion for you. You were asking me today if there's any good places here in Kentucky, and I will throw this out to any listeners. If you know any good places for Tyler, uh, to, to get back into the motorcycle swing of things, some off-road stuff or whatever, feel free to pass it on. But he was asking me today, that really is your love. That is your passion, correct? Yes, it is. It's, it's all I've done my whole life, really. Uh, I didn't play school sports or anything like that. Um, I just rode my dirt bike since the time I was five till I was 19. Um, that's about all I did. Um, and then I got into horses after that because my family and stuff. And it's kind of really all I had to do uh, job-wise. So uh, that's kind of where it took me, but, but yes, it's um, it's what I love. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just uh, it's very entertaining. It's hard to do. Uh, people don't get it, but um, it's, very, it. it's an independent sport. So like, it's all on you. It's not really about anybody else. And riding a motorcycle is very freeing and stress relieving. So um, it's great. Yeah, it's it's the best. So again. Talk to me like I'm five. It's because I, I, most of the time my wife tells me that I do act like I'm five. But yeah, uh, it would seem to me that riding a, riding a motorbike would actually be a nice, easy transition into becoming a, a jockey, right? Agility, strength. Uh, yes. Danger. I mean, getting through tight spots, blah, blah, blah. It does seem like a kind of a natural progression there. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, I mean, physically, it's, um, I don't know, 10 times harder than riding a horse. Um in my opinion, uh, just because I'm doing both at a high level. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the balance transfer and the weight and everything like that, like the, and the muscles that you use is kind of very similar. Um, it's a lot of core and leg-based type of um, strength. So, yeah, it definitely transfers really easily. Um, and being aggressive and, you know, like you said, going to tight spots, bringing out starting gate is all kind of cake work on a horse compared to what um, – Motocross riders go through. Um, really? That actually does surprise me, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, like, I mean, in motocross race, you go, like, a, a full gate is, is 40 riders. Um, so you're going 40 people into a turn that's, like, I think maximum is 20 feet wide. So um, you got to kind of squeeze in there and, and go as fast as you can to get there first uh, and hopefully not die in the process. Um, yeah, that's always good. But, uh, yeah, like, I mean, obviously – on a motorcycle, it's a little easier in a certain way because you have a throttle and a brake. On a horse, you don't really have that um, luxury. So you got to make sure you have the horse to go through a tight spot. But um, And most horses won't do it um, if they feel it's unsafe, you know? Like, they'll take care of themselves usually. Um, so, yeah, like, and motocross riders are usually a little more hectic depending on where you're at. Um, they will not be afraid to run into you or clean you out or whatever, you know? So um, just aspects to both of it, but... Motocross stuff is a little more, uh, a lot more dangerous for sure. So you believe it's more dangerous. So when Lucy's watching you riding a motocross race or she's watching you riding a horse race, which one is she holding her breath more? When she, if she sees you try to go up the rail in a horse race or she sees you try to make a, make a tight move in a motocross race? 
Uh, I'd probably say the motocross stuff. She's seen me crash pretty hard a couple times, um, and she always freaks out and doesn't know how I don't get hurt. Um, but the horse racing thing, definitely, like, if she sees a horse, you know, if she sees me go down on a race or, you know, go in a bad spot, then, yeah, she definitely freaks out. But the motocross thing is a little more on edge, I think, for her because it could happen so fast at any time. Um, especially the jumps and everything and, and the track gets really rough and, and bumpy and things like that. So there's a lot more aspects to it. Um, but yeah, she's freaked out a couple of times when I crash on the, on my motorcycle. So yeah, I think that's a little more difficult for her to watch. What's the worst you've been hurt on the motorcycle? Um, I hurt my back twice. Not terribly bad, but, um, not terribly bad. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, okay. I didn't need surgery or anything. Like I, uh, compression fractured my, uh, my L3, I broke my T1, um, shoulder, wrist, and collarbone. Um, so not like as many as most people. Like I didn't do any ACLs or anything like that, um, or femurs or whatever, which is pretty typical. Um, the worst part is I've had like, I don't know, six to eight concussions probably, and a few I don't remember. So like, there's been some bad ones. Uh, that's probably the worst part. Well, you've sold me. It's more dangerous on horse ride than uh, being a jockey. You sold me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, the ground good. is a little harder too. Like the the tracks are well outside, like tapeted surfaces. The tracks are pretty soft when you land, so um, it doesn't hurt too too bad. You kind of have a little sink and bounce on a dirt bike track. This doesn't usually happen. Um, so, and I know you like CC mentioned you are riding breakout in the in the Bataglia, and you know what? People can scoff at that. That's a twenty point derby race. And that's the prelude to the, the Jeff Ruby. Right. Uh, I, I was looking a little bit breakout. There's not a lot of pace in that race. I could see you sitting a pocket trip on that horse, maybe three or four lengths off, and getting first run on a, a field full of closers. I'm just not telling how to ride a race. But I actually yeah, I think, think you do have it looks a, like he wants to be that that kind of trip anyway, right? Like the, his last couple, um, like I think last time he sat, you know, four lengths off a pretty quick pace on the turf. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think we could get a pocket trip there. Um, and I think it's kind of Usually what Safi wants, especially on this kind of track, you kind of want to, you know, you don't want to be too close to really. And um, I think getting first run is pretty important. Those kind of horses, especially. Um, and getting a clear trip, obviously, you don't want to get stopped or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I would love to, those are my favorite kind of trips, honestly. I would love to get that kind of trip. I hope you do, because I actually do think you could sit that trip in this race. It's a, it's, a, it's a field that's got a lot of deep closers, just a couple of speed horses. There's a couple of good upfront runners in there, but, Seems to me like you might set a trip. I'm just saying. I hope you do, right? I hope, I hope so too. Hope this isn't like a Sports Illustrated, like uh, Gate podcast jinx, like there's a Sports Illustrated jinx. I hope we don't jinx you. But yeah. uh, uh, I, I do. I'm worse luck, I think. So I think you're okay. Uh, so, but real quick though, I mean, for the, a lot of people aren't familiar with your riding style, right? Because you come from Mid Atlantic. Is there is there a specialty you have, or do you consider yourself a speed rider, or a closer, all around guy? You know, come up the rail for people who or unaware of your uh, your expertise on the back of a horse. Do you, do you have a particular style that you think you have? Um, I would say live by the rail, die by the rail. So I like to be on the fence. Um, it's the shortest way around there. Um, I know I got some shit on Twitter the one day because I got a horse stopped by going inside on, at Turkway. Um, it's always going to happen. Was, she was the best horse, but I was like, look, I don't want to go five wide if I don't have to, you know. Uh, and it opened up eventually. It just took a little longer than I would have planned. Um, and I followed a Steve Asmussen horse, and they usually don't stop in front of you, so exactly. I thought I did the right thing. Um, and I followed Machado, so I mean, who else to follow in, in this place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but 
uh, I like to be able to do a little bit of everything. Honestly, like if, if obviously I can I can ride a speed horse. Um, I don't really like to ride them that if they like need to be sent the whole way. I don't think they respond well to me because I, I try to have quieter hands. Um, a lot of the Spanish guys are a little more busy and they can get more run out of those kind of horses. Um, but if I, if it's a true speed horse, yeah, I mean I, I'm pretty good on the front, uh, I think. Um, but I I love being like a I don't really like being a deep closer because I think that adds too much like stress to the mm-hmm. to the race or worry about moving too soon or too late whatever you know um, like like a pocket trip mid pack type of horse I think I fit pretty well and uh, I love to save ground most of the time so um, I think that's what I do well and I think that's why I like the grass so much I, I love that kind of turf trip. And that, and of course, you know, of course, Trophy doesn't have a grass surface, right? However, Keeneland and Churchill do. And you just mentioned that you're going to ride at Keeneland. You talked to me today that Keeneland, Churchill are on the horizon, perhaps even Ellis, which has a really nice turf course as well, too. Um, I should know this because I am a Kentucky fan, a uh, Kentucky racing fan, and I do keep up with it. But have you ever ridden at Keeneland or Churchill before? Uh, I've rode Churchill. Uh, I came out to ride the Cunningham Crown in 2022. Um Especially on the grass that day, but it got snowed out. And then uh, I rode there in the fall, a few horses in the fall, um, like in, no, in early November. Um, but never at Keeneland, not yet. You're going to do very well there, sir. I know you are. And you like to say, ground, you're going to do real well in that turf course and stuff, too. So. Yeah, it seems uh, like that kind of benefits you there a little bit. Obviously, you got to have horse against the, the best riders in the world. But, um, yeah, I can't wait for it. Honestly, I can't wait for some normal racing again. Yeah, you got four more weeks of this, make some money, win some races, and then Keeneland's calling. And if you've never ridden at Keeneland in the spring, you're you're really going to enjoy it. When you're coming down the stretch and you hear 40,000 people on a Saturday cheering for you and stuff, everybody's decked out to the nines. And then when you get done, you got some free time, walk around the grandstand and stuff. You'll love it, I promise you. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. It's definitely – it has that kind of like Santa Anita Del Mar feel to it a little bit to where it just um, – Except just it's vibes. Cool. Except there's 12 yes, horses in the race, right? There is, yeah. The only time you get 12 <laughs> horses there is Breeders' Cup. But, um, but yeah, no, it's definitely uh, has that, like, magical feel to it, so it's definitely nice. All right, I appreciate it, Tyler. I'm going to let my friend uh, Jeff have a turn. But, uh, again, appreciate you having you on, buddy. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah, thanks, Tyler, for, for coming on once again. This has been really interesting already. I know you guys, uh, you talked about the turf a little bit, and I, I've thought that, you know, you look really comfortable on the turf do you do you prefer the turf over the dirt and synthetics and and if so uh why do you prefer one surface over another um i think it's all horse dependent but i definitely Mm -hmm. love grass racing um i think it takes a more tactical type of ride most of the time um and i I try to you know obviously we all mess up but i try to be pretty smart and put horses where they can win you know um i think that's really beneficial in the grass um Depending, especially on at these bigger places, you know, all these guys ride really well. And uh, but, but a true turf horse is probably the most fun horse to ride. Um, just they have a yeah. different type of turn of foot, and uh, they respond really well to it, you know. Um, so I think that's just why, because they just feel different. They have a you know big turn of foot, and they finish really fast. Um, especially like riding down the hill at Santa Anita was the most fun I've probably ever had on the horse, uh, if they like it. Um, that's cool. So yeah, it's just just a different kind of horse, and I think it just and you don't get dirty. You know, you can ride a closer and not get covered in mud. So uh, that's always <laughs> that's nice. A plus. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Especially yeah, yeah. That can be that could be rough for sure. I know. I remember I was watching the the jockey cam footage the other day of the Saudi Cup, 
and all the dirt that he took back there. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. That has to be just horrible. (laughs) Yeah, it's not very fun, especially like certain tracks, like parks and stuff. The dirt is like. Cause like you're getting hit with stones the whole time. Um, yeah. And then, and then horses don't like it. Yeah. Horses don't like it. And they're jumping around and deflecting from it. And then you're trying to do the same thing. It's just, it's not real fun. Right. Right. I can imagine. Well, taking things back a little bit, I know, I believe your, your dad, John was a trainer, correct. And when you were growing up, so is that kind of yes. how you got into horse racing originally? Yeah. He trained since like, 90 something right when I was born I think uh, before the born he actually worked for Michael Dickinson for a while um who you know d- invented the tapita surface but mm-hmm. he, he worked he got for him for a long time and uh he actually my dad used to train at a farm um I forget what county it's in it's in Pennsylvania kind of near where Dickinson's uh, farm was and he would like swim to Haas and stuff for him and he brought him over so they had a pretty good relationship um when I was little um but yeah, he uh he he's been in the game forever. His dad was a, a farrier actually and he, he used to shoot Northern Dancer after he retired at the farm. Um, wow. and my mom was a jockey before I was born also. She rode for a few years, late eighties, early nineties, um, in Delaware and, and Atlantic City and all that kind of stuff in Mid Atlantic. And then she was a, a steward, I think, around two thousand ish era, um at Delaware Park for a few years. Um, so my whole family's in the game. My, my aunt does like show jumping and, and equestrian type stuff like that. Um, so yeah, just kind of in the blood a little bit. And, um, yeah, I've been around horse my whole life, just never saddled them until I was 20. Right, right. So what, what is the most difficult part about learning to ride horses, like coming from your motocross background? I'm sure, you know, as you said, some of the, like the balance stuff is similar and helpful, but what, what did you find the most difficult making that transition? Um, I think like, like trying to get, like have good hands. Um, that, I mean, I think much, some of my problem is having quiet hands. So kind of horses are maybe too relaxed sometimes, but I do believe, uh, that's a big part of it. Um, just being comfortable and not scared of them. Um, cause they sense a lot of things. And I think if you're scared, they know it and then they get nervous and things like that. And then they sometimes want to hurt you. So I think just being relaxed and, and confident on the horse and, like I said, being having good hands I think is important. Um, I used to gallop a lot of horses back east. Like, they don't make you do that here, but back home you have to gallop a lot. So I, I tend to be able to gallop pretty much anything for the most part, um, like tough horse, whatever, like with issues or anything like that. Like, I'm pretty horseman-ish in that sense, so I think that helps. Um, I learned that from my mom and dad, I think, a lot. Just I groomed horses and stuff growing up, too, so... You kind of get to know them a little bit. Um, but I would say that, that probably. Um, the riding aspect wasn't too, too hard to figure out. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So I guess sort of piggybacking on that, I've always found it amazing that a jockey can have never met or ridden a horse before and ride them in successfully in a race. Is is that just getting used to the horse in in the warm up, and you've just been around horses so much, you kind of know the different types of personalities, or how do you how do you get comfortable with a horse? Like, is it a lot of instructions from from the trainer with their intricacies? Um, you know, kind of what what is your process there if you if you've never met or ridden a horse before and you're going to ride them in a race? What what do you do in that situation? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we probably ride more 
uh, horses that we don't know than we do know for the most part, um, mm-hmm. especially around here. You know, I mean, I work a lot of horses in the morning, but horses shipping in and stuff. You've never been on before. It's kind of hard, but I, I don't, I, most guys I ride for don't give me a lot of instructions, which, um, I think is, goes for most good trainers and for mm-hmm. all these top riders don't really need instructions, but, um, just tell me like what the horse likes kind of thing, like where you want to see him, like inside, outside, what he wants to, like where he wants to be in a race or, you know, how to kick back or whatever. Um, that's all I kind of really need to know, just to kind of figure it out. And especially bigger races, I watch replays and stuff, the cheaper ones you don't really necessarily have to, I don't think, um, mm-hmm. as much, but bigger races I think are important. Um, right. But yeah, just, I mean, obviously the form tells you a lot sometimes, uh, kind of how a horse wants to run or where he wants to be in a race. And, uh, yeah, post you can kind of learn a lot, um, whether they're nervous or, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Some, some jockeys, I mean, I'm, I'm not that person, but some of the really good guys can probably tell a trainer more about a horse than they know sometimes, you know, just by riding the horse. Um, you can get a lot of information back from certain guys. Um, I think is important just to have. Oh, definitely. You got to be a little bit of a horseman, you know, like you got to kind of know what they, what you feel and what they are kind of telling you throughout the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite horse you've ever ridden? I do, yeah. I actually have him tattooed on my arm. Um, hmm. He was a da- uh, horse my dad trained. Um, he's just a claiming horse. He won like some starters and and uh, allowance races and stuff. He was never a great horse, but I won uh, eleven races on him, and my dad won fourteen with him. Wow. Um, and then What's I retired him at my farm. It's uh, Morristown Jackie. Okay. Uh, cool. I retired him at my farm when he retired, and then uh, he passed away a couple years ago. With uh, he had like a, a virus, but. Um, he was a school horse, and he taught me a lot. And uh, I rode him when I had to bug, like that's when we kind of first got together. Uh-huh. Um, so like I was still learning a lot, and uh, he was a school horse, like he he knew his people, and he like kind of loved us a little bit because he got claimed from us one time, and then wouldn't run any good. Uh, he like wasn't like how he being trained or whatever. And we got him back, and then he, he won first time off the claim. So uh, he just kind of knew where his place was, you know. So it was really it was really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, that's an awesome story. Yeah, he, he was a cool so, horse. Like I said, not a great horse. And then uh, another one, actually, he's still running. His name is Iwan for Mark Salbadjo, who's a good friend of mine. And mm-hmm. actually my agent's brother from back home. Um, he just won the other day at, at Laurel, actually, at like a two-event allowance race. Uh, I've won 10 on him. And he's a pretty cool geez. horse, too, just because he, uh, wow. he just showed up every time. You know, like he, he was a racehorse. You knew what you were going to get every race, yeah. whether it was a win or not. But he gave you... Uh, 100% effort every single time. So, um, those two were definitely special. 100%. And that's, I think I can, I can speak for Alan CC too. That's our favorite kind of horses as well. Oh, or yeah. you can follow on circuits and they just grind it out and they're, you know, they're going to yeah. be there every meet and they're going to show up every time. They're just yeah, so easy. Horses. For. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, like I said, Iwan is, is nine years old now and he's, he's a horse. Like he still has his balls. So, uh, it's kind of impressive. Unlike me, that, unlike me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's still that good at that, at that age and he loves his job. And then, uh, Orson Jackie, I think, ran until he was 11 or something. Um, wow. But That's yeah, cool. those are, those horses are fun just because they're, they try hard to take care of them. They take care of you type of thing. Yeah, definitely. You know, speaking of relationships at the track, I, I, you ride a lot of horses for Jonathan Thomas. Um, how did that relationship begin? Honestly, I don't really know. Um, he was like our first guy when I got here. My agent knows him not really well, but well enough. Um, they had a relationship before, so he kind of called him early before I got there and was like, Hey, can you give us a chance or whatever? He's like, Yeah, actually, I've been wanting to ride Tyler for a while. Um, maybe just seeing me at Woodbine and stuff. I'm not really sure. Um, mm-hmm. 
so yeah, just kind of, I never met Jonathan before. I never rode for him before. Um, but the person I got, when I first got here, I started working horses and they put me on everything pretty much. Um, so yeah, it just kind of happened into my agent, honestly. That's the only reason I got hooked up. And I'm actually, I live with Jonathan's assistant here up at, in, uh, near Turfway now. So it's kind of a cool thing we got going. Uh, um, you know, we work well together, so it's been good. Nice. Yeah. Sounds like it just fell nicely into place. Yeah, absolutely. And Jonathan's pretty easy too. I mean, obviously, um, he likes his horses ridden a certain way, but they're, um, mm-hmm. they're well prepared. Uh, he's a good horseman and, um, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. He's very smart. So, um, it's definitely been nice. Awesome. All right. So one more thing before I turn it back over to CC to wrap it up. We, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but you're very active on social media, which I think is huge for growing the game. I think it's great to have that interaction. But as you know, Twitter, now X, I guess it's called, it can be kind of brutal sometimes. You know, no matter how much you win, people have something to say about the losses. Um, how do you handle that and keep a positive attitude? Like when going through rough stretches, say you've lost like, you know, a bunch of races in a row and then somebody just hammers you on, on Twitter for a ride or whatever. Like how do you, how do you handle that personally? Uh, can uh, I interject? I would tell them to fuck off, but that's just me. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people I, I want to say that too, and maybe like uh-huh. private messages I do a little bit because they're they're really ignorant. Um, yeah. Like there there's people that just uh, actually Lucy brought this up earlier. And I forget what it was about or what person it was about, but um, no, they don't they don't understand anything about the about the game. They can read paper, mm-hmm. but it doesn't know you know. Oh, this is what it was. I had a horse. I'm not gonna name the name because I don't want to throw him under the bus, trainer wise, because he's put me on horses. But um, I had a horse a few weeks ago that ran. Um, I worked her two days before the race, just like three eighths or whatever, pretty easy, and she bled. And then she still ran and didn't run any good. But like people don't know that. Like the the betters don't know mm-hmm. that. I didn't know until I got to the paddock about that. So like I don't know anything. Um, and then people, I didn't get any harassment for that one, but like people like that, they don't understand what actually happens with horses in the morning that week. Maybe it's sick, you know, it's got a sore foot. They have no idea. They just look at the paper and say, oh, this horse is going to run the same race today and last time or two back, whatever. And then expect it to run the same race again. And it doesn't always happen. Um, they're athletes mm-hmm. just like we are. So anything can go wrong. Uh, in a race, anything can go wrong. Maybe just, like I said, wasn't having a good day or. Maybe the horse doesn't like me as a rider. Who knows? Uh, there's so many things that go into it, um, and it's always the rider that gets blamed, and I never understood it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's never it's never the trainer. It's never the entry job. It's never the owner that told the trainer to put in a bad spot or run it back in two weeks, whatever. There's so many things yeah. that could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, to your point, it's the ones that are pretty ignorant are pretty are pretty tough to deal with a little bit. Like, they kind of maybe get on my skin a little bit just because um, – they don't have any reason for it. Like there's no, Yeah. if you, if you're going to tell me what I did wrong and what you think I did wrong or whatever, I'll accept it. And I'll admit if I made a mistake or I'll have a discussion with you, but if you just tell me I'm straight garbage and then have no, have no reason to back it up, um, <laughs> right. it, it, it really bothers me. Like I, there was a guy one time that said something about a horse a couple years ago um, that I let the horse on a loose rein, which means I didn't let it, I want I let it go as fast as it wanted to go. Yes, that's exactly what I did. But if you're, Telling me to take hold of a horse is not going to go faster. So having a loose range is faster right. than the horse is going to go. And the horse in front of me, you know, opened up on me and beat me. Mm-hmm. But again, the horse got scoped. It bled like nine out of ten. That I horse that I rode, and I got beat like around second still. Um, 
so I'm always trying to excuse to get beat, and it wasn't my fault, type of thing. But they don't, right. they don't. I, and I said that to the guy. So the horse played, and I, and you get no response from people like that because you can never tell them, um, like they don't have no. Uh, like they couldn't possibly be wrong, you know? That right. would just yes. be unfathomable. Yeah. Right. They're always right. You know, there's no, they, yeah. they can't accept the facts. Um, right. So that part really bothers me. The ones that are, there's a guy on Twitter that actually goes up for jockeys a lot, but he always gives you a reason or an excuse why you got beat, what you should have done better. And if he gives, if you give a good ride, he'll acknowledge it and tell you you did a good job, you know? Those people right. I'm good with. Um, tell me what I did wrong or whatever. Like even Shu, the enemy, he got me the other day. That horse I was talking about, I got stopped uh, earlier on the meet for Owen Hardy, and he like he didn't he didn't mention me, but I saw it on Twitter, so I like replied to him, and he's mm-hmm. like, I love this because like he's like this is growing the game because like, tell me what you did wrong, you admitted it, and mm-hmm. we move on. Um, right. right. So those those are fine, you know. But don't come at me, tell me I'm the worst rider in the country, and I left Penn National because I couldn't get mounts, type of thing. Um, yeah. That's not the reason I left. You don't leave Penn National and go to Turf Lake because you're not riding. It doesn't really make sense. Um, it goes the other way. So, um, yeah. But the, the, some of them do get under my skin a little bit, and it's hard to kind of be confident in your abilities. You always second guess yourself. But at the end of the day, they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, they're just angry two dollar betters typically. Yes. Um, the guys that spend a lot of money in the game aren't that way. They understand a little more, and they they get the game, and they understand it. So uh, it's always the, the ones that are overseas, or you know, they're drunk at two a.m. betting on Turfway at ten o'clock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that are angry 100%. at you. So yeah, it's like go eat another can of nacho cheese, right? Yeah, <laughs> or they're hear you. Learn how to handicap, the, or accept accept the fate of the game you decided to play. There's bre- bad breaks and stuff, or whatever. So yeah, any it's time it's. It's just sore feelings. It's called gambling for a reason, you know. It's like playing exactly. the lottery. You're taking a chance oh. on an animal. On an animal, so like it's all, it's all whatever. But it is. You should have rolled the way. You should have rolled that horse the way my 200 pound ass should have right. rolled. Right. Yes. Like, I've never been on a horse, so why? Who the hell am I? To, but anyway, that's just. I like, got some shit like that one time. I was like, maybe you should ride the horse. He said, Well, if you look at my profile picture, you know I can't. Well, then don't okay. tell me how to do it. Then <laughs> I don't tell you to do your job, and honestly, don't tell me how to do mine. You know? Right on, brother. I don't mean to interject, Jeff, but I'm a bit passionate about this topic. So anyway. Oh yeah, no, I, I I totally agree, and it sounds like Tyler has the best outlook on this, which I'm glad because you do. I mean, you put you go right into the fire there on on social media, and I respect you for it. But man, people can be yeah. horrible sometimes, so I'm glad that okay. you that you have a great outlook on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys like it because some people don't like it, like that. I, I answer people or go back at them or whatever, like. Not too many trainers, I guess, but, you know, people see it and they kind of think it's negative, but I think it's good for the game, man. I think we have to, I think Jackie need to be more outspoken and mm-hmm. tell their side of the story a little bit, because otherwise it's never going to get talked about. You know, they're just going to keep harassing us and saying how much we suck and they can do our job better. Why, you know, we're professional athletes. Why can't we do our jobs and all this stuff? Um, and then obviously we all talk about, you know, other sports. We always talk shit when watching a football game, but that's just, you know, whatever. We're just, yeah, the world's a rough team, enough place. The world's yeah. rough enough yeah. place without that stuff going on, right? Yeah, I just, but, it's just unnecessary. I mean, I'm never going to yeah. do it. We're risking our lives. You know, we're the only sport that has an ambulance falses every night. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a split second decision out there. So what kind that. of what kind of dickhead would I be if I sit there and bash Tyler Connor for a bad ride, bad ride, two bad rides, and blah blah blah, and, one, and then the next race Tyler Connor goes down and they carry him off in an ambulance. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, like, I would hope you'd feel like a piece of shit, but you know that's just yeah. Me. Most of them don't probably, but yeah, no, they don't care if we get hurt. But but yeah, yeah no, I I, uh, I like me engaging on Twitter. It's uh, it's a pretty fun place. Um, 
it can get a little negative sometimes, but uh, like I said, I think it's good for the game, and I think more of us need to speak about it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that's the way it, it should go to grow the game. You know, there's going to be some hurdles for sure, but I think what you're doing yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, like I said, I think it's great. Um, I wish more guys would do it, and then in like a professional manner. Obviously, we can't be mm-hmm. arguing like belligerently over there, but I think we need to be professional and talk to about you know say and even talk about good rides, bad rides, whatever. Talk about it, you know, let people know what you're thinking out there and what goes through our heads and what we see and. And things like that. I think it. Uh, I think it'd be great. Yeah, there's an educational aspect to it too. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of people are out there and just think like it's it's like driving a car, which it's yeah, not. exactly. It's no. not even close. No, you can yeah. ask those things to go as fast as you want, and they won't respond unless they want to. You know, like they have a mind of their own, and like I said, maybe they're having a bad day, they're or they're really sore, and we you can't see it on TV, but we're feeling it, and you know, we're taking care of the horse or whatever. You know, um, and right. sometimes right. when you ask them to go. They don't go, so you can't really do much about that. 100%. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate how candid you were there and just giving us some insight there because I think it's an important conversation to have. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, of course. All right, CC, I'll let you wrap things up with Tyler here. Well, just want to just add one more question about that. Are there fellow riders that uh, social media kind of affects negatively? Like um, if, we don't really talk about it a whole lot, honestly. Like, we'll talk about or show each other, like, our message that we get or whatever. Um, but it's not, like, a, a big topic of conversation. In most rooms, uh, we don't really speak of it, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we've had a couple suicides in the last year and, and things like that. And our game is hard enough, man. And if you're not winning, it is one of the most depressing jobs to have, Um because you're, you know, you're hustling in the morning. You work for free in the morning, so that's no mm-hmm. fun. Exactly. Trying to replace. Um, me personally, I have to lose a lot of weight every day, so you don't get to eat. Uh, sometimes you don't sleep a lot, and then you're losing weight, and you're not winning races. So then you're stressed about money, and then you have people on Twitter calling you a piece of shit that can't ride a horse. You should quit your job. So like, yeah, it's just like I think it just adds on to everything else we deal with. Um, maybe like the last thing on the coffin type of thing, and then. You know, when you're having a bad time at work and you have a bad time at home and, and things just don't go well. So, um, yeah, I think it's – I don't think it's a huge part of our problem, but I think it just adds to the stress of the of the business and um, it makes you kind of feel like you're no good, you know. Do you uh, – are you superstitious? Like if you go through a slump and you, you change things up, like like I wear – I like to change my underwear. Uh, if I'm Occasionally. A, if I'm in a way – you know, I usually wear the same pair once a once a month, but I I, I will change them if I'm in a slump. But anything you do special? Uh, no, not really. Uh, you start to second guess yourself a little bit. Um, so then I think you make the wrong decision. If you're, you know, when you get desperate a little bit, you start to rush a little bit and, and make choices that you should make or make premature moves or whatever. Um, so I always try to tell myself and my agents always to say, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. It'll turn around. You know, don't overthink things. Um, just kind of do what the horse tells you and and go from there. You can't really, I think, change too many things. Then you just, I think, you kind of lose focus of the of the end goal. Um, and I don't really have, like, real superstitions. I put my right boot on every day first and my right glove. Like, I just, what I've always done, whether it's motocross or, or horse racing, so I just kind of like a habit. But nothing that I really changed. No, maybe my riding style a little bit. Um, especially on Tapita, it's kind of better to have a horse in the bridle. 
Um, you can't really throw the head away too much, uh, especially early in the race. But um, no, not nothing really. Just try to keep doing the right things, and, and hopefully it works out. Uh, real quick, congruent won the John Pataglia last year. That's it. Year. I was thinking, yeah. Congruent. Did that, did that horse do anything after that? I don't remember, that sounds familiar, but I don't really know much about it. He ran sixth in the Jeff Ruby and then sixth in the Pennine Ridge. Okay. And he's been off since then. Uh, Antonio Sano had him. Oh, okay. Yeah. But now it's, it lists uh, Safi Joseph as a trainer record. So he was oh, really? Uh, maybe, yeah, owner's prize. Because the horse that I'm riding actually used to be Antonio Sano, too. Well, ironically, you may get back on – you may leave the Bataglia and then get back on last year's Bataglia winner. Maybe, yeah, hopefully, yeah. All right. Uh, Tyler, we're, we're glad you're in Kentucky. Uh, we, we're we glad that you uh, you have a great personality and great attitude toward riding. I, I love that you were brutally honest tonight. Uh, we're definitely going to root for you going forward. We're going to root for you this weekend, hopefully uh, – Get one of these horses into the in the Kentucky Derby, and then oh, then we're gonna right. have you back on. That's why I'm here. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, hopefully, uh, I didn't plan on riding it this year, but I've had a couple of chances of good horses that could potentially go. So, um, I wouldn't say it's a dream come true to ride the Derby, um, but in my new life, it's a dream come true to ride the Derby. So, yeah, I would I would love to have a chance, even if I'm eighty to one. Anything can happen. So, uh, 80, I'll take eighty it. to one horse won the Kentucky Derby a couple of years. I go right. coming out of these turfway yeah. stakes, so yeah, and the horse I run second last year when the Ruby, so like, there's some good horses mm-hmm. show up here, so um, yeah, I'd love to have a chance just to ride anything, even just that day would be would be a lot of fun. Well, we think you've got the chops to do it, and uh, like I said, we'll be rooting for you going forward. So we'll let you uh, let you go and get back to your busy life, and uh, like I said, we'll we'll hopefully speak to you down the road. So Tyler, thanks for coming on. Yeah, boys, I appreciate you. Um, thanks for having me on and all the kind words. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. That was Tyler Connor. Brutally honest. I enjoyed the candor. The candle. Candor. Candor. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Condor. Being candid. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice guy. And uh, yeah, I, I exactly. I appreciate the candor. I appreciate the honesty and stuff. And he got me swearing a little bit. I'm, I, I got his back. Well, I, I think he's 100% right about everything. I think we need more of that. You know, we need that conversation back and forth and the, the education part of it and just just the, the respect factor there and just realizing, you know, what what's going on. I think it, I think he was hit the nail on the head. All right, let's switch gears. Creepy.org tweeted this out on, on X today. To keep Genghis Khan's burial a secret, all 2,000-plus people who attended his funeral were executed. The executioners were then killed by members of his escort who took their own lives when they reached their destination. The site still remains undiscovered to this day. Do you believe that? Is it? Is it? This is real. I was wondering when I read I saw the same tweet. I'm gonna, I want you to read this to Jeff because I saw it, so this is hard to believe. That is yep. insane. I bet they wish they hadn't gone to the funeral. Bet <laughs> <laughs> not. It, it's one of those things that's hard to believe. But yeah, like I feel like maybe it is true. Like it, it there was some crazy stuff that happened back in those times. And as far as that goes, I kind of believe it. So when I, when my day comes, this is going to be a gag I'm going to play on everybody. I'm going to have to, whoever <laughs> reads the eulogy, I'm going to have them read this tweet. 
and and, <laughs> and record the reaction. That's why I was at work today, and I was like, "Did I read that right?" It's like, "Oh my god!" There's like like people don't too young remember Jim Jones at uh, uh, Jim Jones and a uh, Guyana back Jamestown back in the 19th at 78 where the phrase "Don't drink the Kool Aid" come from. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Did you know what that is, Jeff? Or you got to? Yep. Yep. I remember that. Got everybody to drink the Kool Aid, and a thousand people died. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the definition of the word cult. So. You know, members of his escort. I could I could see me doing that, hiring an escort to kill everybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this Saturday, Fountain Youth. Fountain Youth is going to mark the return of the full brother to Mage. Dornock uh, has got to be legitimate because that horse to beat uh, Sierra Leone. Who mm-hmm. won the uh, the sloppy uh, sloppy risen star stakes? Risen star, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Sierra Leone probably. I don't know. They they were equally impressive because Sierra Leone rallied from a mile back in that uh, Remsen stakes, and he was against the track by. Those was a major track by. I said Aqueduct that day, but Dornock actually. Um, Benefited from the from the track bias, he was on the lead, but the, they turned for home. And Dornock kind of I, I don't know if he got lazy or or got spooked or something. He kind of hit the rail and it knocked him off stride, and Sierra Leone passed him, and then Dornock re rallied. So there were some pluses and minuses on Dornock's efforts, but that was only like his second or third start. Where do you, where do you guys fall on that Remsen? The fact that you know Sierra Leone was rolling down the track like they went by ten lengths, and I personally believe Sierra Leone hung. I, I'm not going to give Dornock as much credit. I think he I think he it's a deal. The horse obviously needed blinkers, got in front and stopped, and waited for Dornock to come back. Nothing against Dornock. I just I mean I, I, people have different takes on the Remsen. My Remsen is that Sierra Leone was the prototypical hanger for a young horse, and that's what do you think, Jeff? I was in that camp going into the Risen Star, and I was not on Sierra Leone in that race for that reason. And when I saw the slow pace the track Phantom was putting on, I didn't think Sierra Leone had a chance. But the way that he blew the doors off of that field behind a slow pace, that it moves up Doorknock quite a bit for me. Okay. What do you think, CC? We'll find out more this weekend. That was uh, that was Doorknock's fourth start in the Remsen. And uh, it was just Sierra Leone's second start. So you'd have to think, uh, I thought that was a pretty impressive effort by Sierra Leone. I, by the he, way, I have no idea who will like in the Fountain Youth. I, I just looked at the, I have no idea. I don't have an opinion I, at all on that race. I think, uh, I think. Well, I mean, Gargan thinks this horse is really special. And uh, I, I think I believe him. I'm I'm not a as big of a fan of Locked. Locked is in there for Pletcher. Me either. It's a no bet race to me because I just don't care for anybody. That's a great card. Fourteen thousand races on Saturday at Gulfstream. It's a great card, and uh, I always look forward to that. And then Florida Derby card as well. That's always a good two good Gulfstream cards. I don't really bet there much anymore, but always keep an eye on those. And of course, uh, Turfway. As uh, as we mentioned before, the John Battaglia Memorial and the Cincinnati Trophy. My question is: Is the Cincinnati Trophy is that a bowl of chili? <laughs> it's Johnny Bench's <laughs> catcher's mask or his catcher's mitt. That's what it is, right? That's not a, yeah. Well, you should uh, run that by Chip Bach. Maybe we can get that get that done. But uh, in the uh, John Battaglia Memorial, 
We have to point out Epic Ride is in there. And of course that was, uh, he's for Jeff or John Ennis. Mm-hmm. We had on a few weeks ago. We had on a few weeks ago and, uh, going to be interesting to see, uh, of course, it's a mile and 16. We're going to see if he can go that extra 16th of a mile. And then it's a stepping stone to uh, the Jeff Ruby. And very interesting to see what uh, what he can do here. So looking forward to that. And, of course, the Cincinnati Trophy is the sixth race on Friday. Looking through here, Sistina Chapel is going to ship in for McPeak off uh, two third-place finishes at Fairgrounds. And, of course, we talked about living magic uh, for showing thought. I know Barbara Tina, I think – uh, Brad Cox came in a few weeks ago to saddle this filly, and I think their connections were really high on her in that allowance race. Now she comes back in the stakes race. They canceled the races that night, if you remember. I think this was the sixth race, and they canceled after race five. And uh, I think the the jockeys may have refused to ride. I can't remember what the – maybe it was snowing that night really bad. And But Barbara Tina's coming back. I think that filly's live in here. Okay. And, uh, of course, Everland is back. Uh, remember Everland? She, oh, she, oh, yeah. Speaking of Jonathan yeah, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, and she rode, uh, or excuse me, she, uh, she had that really impressive uh, maiden claimer win for 30. And Eric Foster picked her up. And then she comes back and wins uh, a starter. And now At she, an insane 15 to 1 or something. Just incredible right. price. Right. Oh, my God. Just yeah. over one of the overlays of the meet and in a field and a meet filled with overlays. And then, of course, the big horse is on the outside. That's Impel, Brad Cox, and Judmont. And that's the daughter of Quality Road. And she she beat Tipsy Tammy, who was, uh, uh, I believe, yes. Bauer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bill Bauer and, and yeah. uh, Richard Rigney. And she beat, I'm certain Tipsy Tammy was like three to five, four to five, and, and Impel beat her that day. And now here she shows up here. But she's also cross-centered in a uh, an allowance, I think, on Saturday at Oakland, or maybe it's Sunday. But, uh, yeah, so that, that bears watching. This is, a, this could be a, a really dynamite race as well. So fun horse race watching this weekend. And mm-hmm. of course, Santa Anita's got a big card as well. I think they've, they're going to have, uh, maybe a derby prep, uh, or another Santa Anita handicap, I believe. Is that this weekend? You're asking the wrong person. Man, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> do better. I gotta do better. It's, it's Tuesday. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I've talked enough. So. Uh, anything else before nope. we, uh, before we, uh, adjourn for the evening? Nada. Okay. Don't All right. So all in favor of, uh, calling it quit, say aye. 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 All in favor, say nay. 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 <laughs> the eyes have it and we'll shut her down here. So, uh, on behalf of our guest this evening, Tyler Connor, Brandon Jaggers, who, what was he doing tonight? He was like hosting a dinner party or something. Who knows? Who knows? He's things. having a fancy dinner. Yeah. Fancy dinner. Right. They got the uh-huh. special silverware out. That, that right. 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 Got the china out, you know, looking forward to hearing about that. Also on behalf of Alan Schneider back from Cozumel or Lake Titicaca, or wherever he came <laughs> from and Jeff Riggs, the bearded handicapper. I'm CC brought us reminding you in the words of our fearless leader, Jerry Romans. We're not happy unless you're not happy. Good night.